Am I allowed to break the fourth wall? Of course. Cool. Hi, listeners of the podcast. This is Anna. Uh, sorry about my rambling, but... And the loud noises and the banging in the background. Anna has been my friend since we started swimming together when we were both eight. Just a little background, she uses the term North Shore, which refers to the affluent suburbs north of Chicago, where we both grew up. So, enjoy! In as many words as you want to use, who are you? Oh, that's... That's like me asking you, tell me about your time in Taiwan, which is like so broad. Okay, and uh, who am I? Well, okay, my, my name is probably in there. My name is Anna Michelle Stern. Now you can find me anywhere, I guess. I've just given my identity to the world. Please don't use it to steal my identity. Um, and I'm from Chicago. And I guess it's interesting that that's where I start with identifying myself, especially now that I mention it, because I'm here in Beaver Dam, so I live and work at a boarding school in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, which is the middle of nowhere if you're from Chicago. And I think that's been a part of my identity that I've been trying to hold on to. It makes me very different than many of my coworkers. It makes me very different than my students, who are especially day students, and also pretty much everyone in this town. And so I think that's recently become a thing that I've like hung on to. I think if you would ask me this question, like... Well, if you'd asked me this question in high school, I would have started with, I'm a high school student in your high school. That's what I would have found as my main part of my identity. So I guess now I'm dead set on moving back to Chicago. So Chicago's been like the main focus of my identity and the Cubs are doing really well. So that's another important part of my Chicago identity is it's a good thing to be from Chicago most of the time. I think all the time, but Donald Trump would say otherwise because he's a dick. Um, but anyways, uh, back to me and not Donald Trump, who I really dislike. Um, I'm a teacher and I love it. I love my job. I hate where I live, but I love my job. And I say that to myself all the time. And I know I'm whiny about it, even though I should be very grateful because I do love my job. I have awesome kids who are wonderful and funny and smart and very kind. And I probably will never get to work with such good kids. But other than that, oh, I'm a woman. Yeah, I don't find that to be all that exciting, although I do. Interestingly enough, I wouldn't have identified myself as a feminist until I started working here, where I started working with feminist teachers. Like, I obviously believed women should get paid the same and all that, but I wouldn't have said, oh, yeah, I'm a feminist. And then I started working here and working with many men and women who are feminists and how they kind of shaped that a little bit for me. And so now... I talk about it all the time with my kids, and we've turned all of them into feminist little monsters, and they're really funny. Um, and I make sure all of my kids know what patriarchy means. That's like the first vocab word they learn. Um, I'm white. I guess I'm white. I'm Jewish. I never. It, that's always a weird thing. I'm Jewish, and I'm white. I'm from the North Shore, so I'm definitely white. My kids would say I'm basic. Actually, they've told me that on multiple occasions, that I'm very basic. It's actually interesting, because for grad school, I had to write a paper about my identity, an intersectionality paper, and I just, my teacher asked me to describe myself, and the thing I said is, I said my students would describe me as basic, and then I cited Urban Dictionary, because that's the only way you can find the, like, basic that they're talking about, which is boring white girl, but I'm white, I'm Jewish, um, the Jewish thing's also been interesting, because I work here where there are no Jewish people, essentially, um, so that's another thing, I've become the token Jew, which is weird because back at home or with my family, I'm not like the best of Jews. And ironically enough, I work at a school with 30 kids from 32 different countries, but I'm probably the second most diverse teacher we have, which is a ridiculous sentiment because I'm 
white from the North Shore of Chicago, which is like the least diverse place on planet Earth. Except for maybe the town of Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm so mean. Beaver Dam, I do like you. You have very good restaurants. I was, there were some people when I said I was doing this podcast, I was like, this person will probably be interested. This mm -hmm. person will probably be interested. And I never actually thought that you would be interested. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Cause I'm not usually into this kind of stuff, but I basically because of like the anxiety problems I had last year, I've been really trying to push myself to do things that I'm a little afraid of. Cause I've found that they're not that scary. And I think that's helped with my anxiety to recognize like, you know, the world's not that bad. And things aren't going to end. Like, there's nothing to be that worked up about. So I've been trying. And also, I mean, I feel like it's like the t problem of all 20-somethings. Like, you're trying to figure out who you are and what, what you're doing and if it's right. And I feel like it's weird because everyone I've talked to who's our age ha hates something. They hate... It's usually like they hate their job or they hate their major and they're going back to school and the world's ending for them. And I... For me, I'm like, oh, I like my job. And I'm pretty happy with my major, but how did I, how, why is it that I'm okay and everybody else seems to be falling apart? Did you ever hate your life? Yes. Okay, so yes, why do I, you now not hate your life? That's a good question. So I think, like most teenagers, I went through phases where I was miserable, and there were times when that misery was pretty low and not great, but I was, I was lucky. I had really good friends, you included. I had a boyfriend who was willing to stay up and talk to me all night on the phone if I was having a really terrible time. And while he's not my most favorite person on planet Earth right now, I have to give him a lot of credit. I was not easy to deal with in high school. I was difficult and I was moody and emotional. So, pal, if you ever hear this, thanks, pal. Um, but anyways, I and that happened, and then you know, graduating from college and starting your job, and my friends all lived like in the city they all lived in Chicago together and I was here and going in to see them is hard it was hard to find time off and kind of figure out here like that I could say no to stuff I think that's uh, every first year employee regardless of where you're working you want to do your best and you want to show that you're invested and I think I I said yes to things that I didn't really need to just because I thought I had to I thought that was what I was supposed to do and so it was hard to get down and see them and I, like, I was, you know, growing apart from everyone that I cared about and I loved and I trusted and I had to start over, which was weird because here there's no one my age in Beaver Dam. You're either a grown-up or you're a kid. Like, you're not a 20-something. They just don't exist. So here there was nothing. I hadn't started grad school yet and I didn't know. I only had one friend or two friends, I guess, in Madison. So I didn't really know what, like, I didn't know anybody out there. The only people who I was friends with were my coworkers, which is weird, even though they're perfectly lovely, wonderful people, I felt like I had lost a sense of my autonomy. I didn't get to pick my friends. The school hired my friends. And I lucked out in that they hired people who I like, I'm friends with, but at that time, I was also, I was the youngest woman here by five years. The people who were my age were all guys, like literally, 20, 20, well, 23, 24, 25 year old guys who, while very lovely people, there's a limit to like how much I want to talk about basketball. And I hit it very quickly. I wish they would talk about stuff that I like. If we could talk about hockey, that'd be fun. But 
like there's a limit to stuff. And I also like drinking that in college, I didn't feel a pressure to drink as much because my friends could not have cared less how much I drank. But here it's Wisconsin. Everyone's drinking all the time. So there's a culture of drinking and there's a culture of like going out, which like I drank more here than I ever did in college, which is so weird. I'm like the only person on planet earth who ever did that. Yeah. I see that look you're making. So, um, so yeah, that was that. And I, I think I kind of hit a pretty bad, I hit a rough spot really quickly. And then that just kind of got worse. Have I always had anxiety? Probably. My anxiety I've learned is mostly just because I'm left to my own devices and I'm bored and so then I get myself worked up. So in high school, how much time did we have to be bored, right? We were in the pool a thousand hours a day and doing another thousand hours of homework. And so I was worked up because I wanted to do well, but I could control that, which also is part of my anxiety is that I get really freaked out about stuff I can't control. So in high school and when I was in school, it was much easier for me to control because the stuff that sets me off wasn't there to set me off. Um, Here, I wasn't working out enough, clearly was not exercising enough for a while because it was harder to, it was just, I couldn't find the time. It wasn't built into my schedule in the same way that it had been in college or in high school. And I was bored. Like I, and you'll probably see it today, like I don't have tons to do and I don't spend a lot of time grading because it doesn't, I don't get stressed out about my teaching. I don't spend a thousand hours prepping, which probably goes against everything you're supposed to do. But I've, I love lesson planning. I think I do a good job of it, but I also do it quickly and I'm pretty efficient. So for me, I get all my work done quickly. And I, so I was like left with all this time to sit and think and freak out about the future and stalk social media and all those things that you're not supposed to do, which set off your anxiety. So yes, I've probably had it my whole life, but I've been able to manage it inadvertently. And now that I know how to figure it out, it's not really a big deal anymore. And it's significantly, I mean, I haven't felt anxious since like May of last year, which is amazing because I was feeling overwhelmingly anxious for like months at a time before because I just wasn't taking care of myself. And I think that is a lot of it for most people. It's just basic self-care. And I think people of our age, after our parents have micromanaged our lives and made sure that we were getting exercise or whatever, when we're left to our own devices, of course we're not taking care of ourselves properly. I like teaching and I've always known I wanted to be a teacher. It's one of those things. I think I've had two gut feelings in my life that have not steered me wrong, which is weird because I'm a very indecisive person. So my first one, I don't know when I got it. I probably was a child, but I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And the second one was when I went to visit WashU. And I knew it was the right spot. So that's weird. I think that might lead to a little bit of my anxieties because I know what the gut feeling feels like and I know... There's some things that I know and everything else is like, blah, don't know it. But yeah, that's, I love being a teacher. I've always known I wanted to do it. Yeah. So that's weird. Everybody else I know hates their job or hates, yeah, they mostly hate their job. And I don't, which is cool. Yeah, I guess it's just hard. It's hard for people to find out. You said it was just a gut thing. Yeah. 
it was a weird gut thing. But now that I'm older and I can reflect on it, like I think it was one of the, you know, everyone played school and then I liked going to school. I was good at school. So of course I wanted to stay in school longer. I like the schedule. But as I've gotten older, I've real, so I liked going to school and like, especially, you know, looking at my old, like reasons why I want to be a teacher kind of stuff that you had to write for job interviews. I've like revisited that and I had the stupidest fucking reasons. Like the most, like I liked playing with dolls and like I was playing teacher as a kid. I just always wanted to be a teacher. That's a dumb reason to want to be a teacher. It's a really stupid reason to be a teacher, but this place hired me. So whatever. Thanks, Wayland. Love you. But I do love you, Wayland. Please don't fire me. Um, but <laughs> now that I think about it and as I've had to kind of rethink about why I want to continue being a teacher, I, I found that teaching is problem solving. It's all problem solving all damn day. And I love it. I love problem solving. Granted, I like problem sol- solving some problems more than others. Like when my kids come up to me and are like, but so-and-so didn't ask me to homecoming. I'm like, I don't give a shit. You'll live through this which is not a good attitude to have towards kids. I'm aware of that, but there's a limit to how much of that I can deal with. But I like the, this kid doesn't understand this topic. How do I explain this in a new way to him? How do I make this topic that, I teach US history to international students. How do I make this topic that they could not care less about? They will never need to know this information. Interesting to them. That is a cool challenge. You know, I have a kid, you saw it today, I had a kid who's not in my class, in fact, takes AP US History, who sat through my class, did all of my activities, wants to be there. I've had kids come back the year after and sit through my class because that's, they want to. And it's cool that every day of my day is different and I will meet and have different kids every year. So there's no monotony to teaching as long as you don't let it get monotonous. And you can let it get monotonous and then it sucks. But if you spice it up if you find ways to keep it interesting it's every day's brand new and I don't think there are many jobs that you get to say that where every day is brand new my future plans I have a lot of them I just haven't figured out how I'm gonna get there yet um I I can't stay here forever the school I think knows that this is not for me in the long term. So that this will not be my where I end my career, certainly. Um, and I would love to move back to Chicago. That's that's right now my dream. Although Nashville is also the other city on my radar. It's amazing. I freaking love Nashville. It's the coolest city. Other than Chicago, which is the best city in the world. <laughs> um, I've always, I've had many, well, not, I haven't had that many goals. I have a few goals. I wanted to become a teacher, did that. And now it's, you know, I want to become a wife and mom um, at some point. And, um... I know my family would like that too. My grandparents have reminded me that they're going to die soon. So they, they're ridiculous. I love you if you hear this, but you're crazy too. Um, and it's interesting because out here where I think, I think it's just mostly because our, like, our cohort also tends to be kind of people who've been educated at liberal or at least elite liberal liberal arts colleges. And so that tends to be something like, career comes first and so I want to be settled in my career and for me it does but I also got settled in my career pretty much at 22 and I, I just I think there's a lot of value and I know we were talking like yesterday about how your parents like that's your project like you become a parent and they're yours forever but I also think that's like a cool project this is weird and you're gonna have a thousand questions about this but I stalk this Mormon family blog every day called 71 toes and it's amazing but 
I don't, I'm not a Mormon, obviously I'm Jewish, but I do think Mormons have a really interesting value system and they have a lot of stuff that I actually do like, especially their views on family and, um, like togetherness and stuff. So I'm not into the like weird racist patriarchal, like live on the moon sort of thing, which is cool if you believe in that, but that's not what I believe. But I do like a lot of their family values. And so I read this family blog and this woman moved her whole family to China for a semester. And so they moved to China just so they could experience like what it's like to all live together and go to school together in a new place. And that to me was so cool. Like I would love to do that with my family. But it's weird because when I like when I talk to guys our age, like asking them if they want to have like if they even want to have a family, not like that they need to have a family with me, but like if they want to have oh my god, it's like you've asked them if you they want to go murder somebody for you, like they freak out. They're like I would I'll have a dog, I'm like okay, but like I don't know at some point in your life you're not gonna want to have a kid. They're like oh, I can't think about that. Like how how do you not? I just don't get how people don't think about the future. Maybe that's good for them. They don't have anxiety problems. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This has been Anna Stern. What adjectives would you use to describe yourself? Oh, this is like a job interview. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, God. oh my God. I don't know. I, I have a very negative, so I have negative self-talk and that's something that I've tried to work on, but I've never been very successful. So I would say that I'm like a loud mouth, snarky, know-it-all. Snarky, um, it is an adjective that kind of is like sassy, sarcastic, biting kind of humor, but I say it with a smile on my face because I'm usually kidding, usually kidding. Um, Kind of that like witty banter, quick repartee sort of comments. Most people make them under their breath. I just don't have the decency to do that. I say them in full volume. <laughs> right now, we're listening to Back to Wisconsin by Cranston. The other track we heard this episode was Nasty by David Sheshte. You can find both of these songs on freemusicarchive.org or check out our website for the links. You probably want to ask me what my coworkers would say about me because it's probably a lot nicer. They would say that I'm kind. We've actually gotten into this argument. I'm not nice and I'm kind and my mother hates that. She's like, you're nice too. I'm like, no, mom, I'm really, I'm an asshole. But I'm, an, I'm kind. I will do nice things for other people, but I'll usually be snarky about it. Um, so I'm kind. I like to think that I'm smart. If you're smart, you'll support our work by spreading the word and going to patreon.com slash identity conversations. And maybe smart's the wrong word, like intelligent. Because I don't I don't have a lot of like crystallized knowledge, but I'm willing to work for the answer. So maybe I'm intelligent. I don't know if you want to be specific. And my coworkers would say I'm, I'm athletic. They think I'm a jock, which is hilarious because I have no hand-eye coordination. I have no upper body strength. I'm really strong uh, legs and abs, but I... Ask me to do a pull-up and I just fall apart. So can't have doesn't happen. Couldn't even do it when we swam in high school. When Coach S would give us a stupid ass rubber band, we'd have to do those rubber band challenges. I made sure Megan was on my team. Shout out to Chuck, wherever you are. You can do a lot of pull-ups, girl. I used to make sure I was always on her team because she could do like 110 and I would do like five. I'd be like, Chuck, you're up for your next 110. Which is amazing. Um Yeah, I just uh, yeah, I don't know what else they would say about me. They would probably also agree that I'm snarky. 
It's one of my better traits.